Hi, I'm Cameron. And I'm Dominique. We both work for Starting Right Now, also known as SRN. A lot of times, homeless youth are spoken for. Often, people assume what homeless youth would need, and I want homeless youth to be able to speak for themselves. We're getting ready to blow up the best kept secret. Beautiful, unaccompanied youth. On this episode of Raising Me, we're talking with Martha. And so there's always been that drive to do something big and help something, someone, but uh, never were the choices always there. So now it's nice that they are. It may have hurt, but it made me who I am today. Now through trials and tribulations, I still celebrate. Cause I'm starting right now. I'm starting right now. Hi, I'm Cameron. And I am Dominique. And we're here with Martha. Hi, I'm Martha. <laughs> do you remember when you joined SRN? Yeah, I do. I remember actually I almost didn't join SRN because I thought that my situation, always hopeful, you know, uh, that my situation would get better because some people like to promise that they'll change and things like that. But that never, in my experience, if somebody acts like that for 15 years of your life, they're not going to change. Mm. And so um, I remember calling Vicky and being like, oh my God, can I please join? I made such a big mistake saying no. Mm-hmm. And uh, Oh, so you said no. Well, I, you know, we did the interview and everything and it was really nerve wracking for me and I was mm-hmm. really nervous to do it, especially because when somebody has raised you to believe that they have all the power over you, you have no confidence in a decision like that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's really hard to just sit there and say, yeah, this is good for me. I need to do it because mm-hmm. somebody is screaming in your ear that, no, they're good for you. Mm-hmm. And um, Are you referring to someone specific? My father. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, almost every kind of abuse you could imagine, emotional, neglectful, physical, all that. And so, of course, it's hard to hard to take that jump. And so mm-hmm. I remember when you picked me up from school mm-hmm. and we, we listened to Cage the Elephant. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'm going to be okay. I was freaking out. Had the, I was thinking about, you know, what drugs or cigarettes could I smoke to make myself feel sane? But mm-hmm. luckily now, I do not smoke cigarettes at all. Shout out. Yep. <laughs> it's extended <laughs> no your lifespan. <laughs> no cancer coming to me. But um but yeah, uh, I think that's one of the biggest things that could maybe help point out other kids. Um, because of that power that my father held over me, I was never able to tell a friend like, hey, I'm having this happen to me. I'm getting hit or whatever. And um, I can't hang out with you because my dad told me that I'm not allowed to have any friends, that he's my only friend, Mm -hmm. and that's how life's supposed to be. It's us against the world. And um, so sometimes kids have all these internal struggles, and they are so afraid to say anything because, you know, if they say anything, their their parent could get in trouble, and their parent saved you and takes care of you and all Mm -hmm. that. And so sometimes... You know, there are memes that say depression doesn't always look like a sad person, yes. you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and so it could be 
just little things like noticing that that kid is wearing the same shirt they wore the day before. And they are looking a little, you know, disheveled Mm -hmm. or whatever. You know, taking a bird bath in a McDonald's (laughs) is not very effective. (laughs) I want to take a step back really quickly, Martha. You said that you had been interviewed by Ms. Vicky. Mm -hmm. um, And this interview would have led to you getting into the program. Yeah, I Um, had even signed the papers and everything. But then you said that you couldn't share with friends because you didn't trust Mm -hmm. that they would either keep your secret or your dad was telling you that, you shouldn't share these things. What made you feel so uncomfortable sharing it with, I don't know if it was your social worker or guidance counselor in the room, plus Ms. Vicky, or it, even more strangers than your friends? <laughs> it got to the point, you know, when when you're, for the past two or three years, when you're getting kicked out all the time. Kicked out of your home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was a really sick situation. Wait, he, how do you get kicked out more than once? All the time. Because uh, then he threatened to call the police and say I was a runaway and that I needed to come back. Ah. And he would tell all of my friends, parents, that I needed to come home. He told people that I was addicted to cocaine, and I didn't do anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was a good like a good student and all that. Um, uh, but you know, he he'd be really sick. Like he's that kind of abusive person that locks you away, but then acts kind to you in certain moments so that you rely on them. Mm-hmm. And so. Every person that I did talk to about things, mm-hmm. he'd get rid of them somehow. Mm-hmm. Like, not not kill them or anything. <laughs> <But> <laughs> That's a good clarification. Yes, yes. I thought I should clarify that. No. Like, I had this boyfriend that I dated, and we were so, so in love. He would do things like, you know, on our anniversary day where we've planned a picnic and all this stuff, he would ground me for no reason and just mm-hmm. say I couldn't go. And any time the guy would come over, he would just, like be really, really nasty, say mean things, and then he wouldn't let me go over there anymore. And getting to the point where the arguments that lasted until four in the morning with no dinner, you know, he'd say, if you broke up with him, this would be better. He's Mm -hmm. not good for you. Mm -hmm. And that would be coupled with bangs against the wall, hair pulling, things like that. And so eventually you're like, okay, if I get rid of this boyfriend, it'll get better. And so you try everything you can to make it better, but you can't tell any friends because then they can't be your friend anymore. Mm, Because he'll get rid of them. Yeah. 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 Not to sound naive, but why would it be a bad thing to be reported to the police as a runaway? I... That's a good question. That is a good question. And when I was younger, I was terrified of that. I was... I, I had half the mind to call the cops... Because I knew that my dad, um, with his profession, he couldn't do any drugs or anything mm-hmm. like that. And uh, I thought about so you calling he's a the cops. Man. He's a working man. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's good at his job. Mm-hmm. And it's sick because you'd think he'd be a good father. But anyway, uh, <laughs> um, he was good at his job. But if I did call the cops, he would lose his license to work and mm-hmm. his whole life would be ruined. And he still had that power over me where I did appreciate, and I still do, Mm -hmm. I still appreciate that he was there when nobody else was Mm -hmm. because mom was not around and he had pushed all the rest of the family away because they uh, threatened his power Mm -hmm. over stuff. I was going to ask that. Where was your mom? Mom, at that time, I believe she wasn't ready to raise kids. And just like I'm so much different than I was five years ago. Mm-hmm. My mom is a completely different person now than she was when I was little. And the person she was when I was little broke my heart all the time. Mm. Um, 
in a very sad way. I think she had many other priorities over a child. Mm -hmm. And so um, she was elsewhere, partying, having fun, probably traveling, things like that, but just not with me. And so Mm. my dad always held it over us that he was there when nobody else was. So we had, we owed it to him to Mm. be good kids. Do you have an explanation as to why he was acting the way he was? Yeah, I do. Most of the people that have been bad to me, I don't know. Um, I don't think they they were evil. My father wasn't evil mm-hmm. by any means. Um, Very mature of you. To yeah, say. Mm-hmm. no, uh, he was just really sick in the head, Isn't and he self medicates. Um, that always helps. Uh, so, which is, it can it can become a drug induced psychosis once you get to a point. There was a point in my life where he called me by my mother's name for two years because mm. he like. He said that I was just like her. He always talked crap about her and, and all that. So he, he, wasn't, he wasn't evil. He was just very sick. And he hadn't dealt with the crap he went through when he was in high school. And he was put into this weird program, not anything like ours, like an actually bad one. And it was abusive. And, and so he, that's why he was so pissed that I joined starting right now because he's like oh you're joining a cult <laughs> but but no not a cult nothing I like remember his. while you were in high school you had an enormous amount of guilt about leaving him yeah um, I remember some days you'd be really upset about what happened at home and other days it was like I don't know if I can stay here because I need to take care of my father yeah no that's the thing he's he can be so um forthright with his anger but then he's also so fragile inside and i know that and like that's only because i've seen him when he was down mm-hmm. and that's that's a scary thing to see like a six foot four man that has banged you into a wall crying in a ball you know it's just a very sad thing and so my love for him had had i wanted to take care of him and make him happy but i knew that if i stayed there i would have been going to usf still living there, still under his clutches. Mm. I don't know. It was, it was awful. But yeah, I was, I was scared to leave him. I was sad to do it. Mm. But that was just because I was so codependent. I put of his you needs. A child. Yeah. 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 But you know, I've you come to realize. Huh? You officially left when you were 18. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was a, like a week after. I'm not, I don't quite remember the date, but yeah, mm. I was 18 because I remember my 18th birthday with him. Um, but but yeah, no, I definitely was afraid. I wanted to go back and take care of him because he can't take care of himself, at least not in a healthy way. Something that you just <clears throat> talked about, you were basically saying, which I agree with, although I haven't been a victim of abuse, but so I could be wrong. But my understanding is that perpetrators of violence at one point in their life were all victims oh, of violence. Oh, yeah. Um, which to me... As you're describing your dad not being evil, yeah. um, it speaks to that because he is actually, although to you he was definitely, um, I mean, you were the victim of your situation, but he yeah. was also a victim in he, a different situation. And that's what made me see that. He, he uh, somewhat used that fact, telling me these stories of what happened to him to justify what he did to me. Mm-hmm. And... What he did to me basically was what that program did to him, isolated him, made him feel worthless, like all this crazy 
stuff. And, um, and he thought that that made it okay because he went through it. And I was just like, no, that's enough. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I went to the, um, I actually had gone to a guidance counselor to ask him about emancipation. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to I, I tried getting my dad to very go to Martha. therapy. I got to get my all my ducks in one box. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to prepare and have it like legally on paper so that everything could could be taken down so that I had a paper trail. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I couldn't just leave. I was tired of, you know, couch surfing and staying with friends and sleeping on a park bench. You know, it's cold i know in florida it's really hot but it gets no, cold it's it's, it, it gets cold in a marble nobody yeah. wants to sleep outside no. no yeah with the rain too it's not it's not pretty at all and so i went to him and he's like well i can't i can't sign off and get a judge to look at it unless you've done counseling with your father this and is so a I social worker this is he, at school i'm not sure i don't think it was the social worker it, it was, was the school. psychologist at my school okay yeah and um he actually got me in contact with the social worker after I talked with my college and career specialist because I had saved up about $1,800 from my job and I wanted to get an apartment and I had looked at apartments that were right next to my high school and mm. I knew that I could do three months safely with all the bills and stuff. I talked with her, asked her if there was some kind of government assistance or program I could get into and just to help me pay for it so I could mm -hmm. make those three months like stretch a little more and just to graduate. And she didn't know about that, but she told me about starting right now because there was another student in the program. And so that's when I got in contact. Why don't you tell us about the day or days leading up to signing your contract with starting yeah. right now and then what happened the day of? Okay, so at this point in my life, I already had the habit of packing you know, extra underwear in my book bag and, and things like my social security card or, or just things like that that I might need. Why and would you need extra underwear? Because I might leave. I might oh. have to get out of the house. Okay. And so I always had my book bag because I didn't want to leave my homework or anything at, at my house if I had to run away. Um, and submit your homework, obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you still got to submit your homework. Right. Even. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you say that, but I think there are plenty of people in that situation who would be like, I don't need homework to submit my second. homework. Yeah, but yeah. then again, that would involve another person in the situation. If you're, you, My senior year was really weird because people could, teachers could tell that something was going on, but they couldn't quite tell what it was. And so, yeah, when they found out, they were very lenient, relaxed with me on things, but that didn't mean that I didn't turn in any homework or anything. But yeah, I always had it ready in my little book bag. And so I did slowly put things in my book bag. Like I remember we were in an argument, my father and I, and he had told me that he would like to smash my face through the television screen because then maybe it'd be prettier. Mm. And He'd walk back into his room and take a puff of weed. And I could tell by the sound of the bubbles and all that how much time I had to put stuff in my book bag because mm. I was so used to this situation. None of my stuff really mattered. It was really just like homework mm. and the thing like underwear, things I needed. But um, but yeah, so it was. I, I can't even really remember. I remember calling and asking to have me reconsidered again because I was wrong and didn't you 
didn't, I might be remembering wrong, didn't you speak to a student that was a starting right now student that went to your school? I did talk with another student. Well, how was that facilitated? Like you sought them out? No, I believe it was Miss Vicky that um, told that called her on the phone because she and I had had a class together, and the I, I yes, the student. I remembered looking at her and admiring her because awesome. she had a great work ethic. Yeah. She was always filling out. This was her senior year, and and I can understand why she was always filling out scholarship applications mm-hmm. and things like that because I ended up doing the same thing. Did but you know her background? Her. No, not yes. until That's not amazing. until we got onto this phone call. I just always like talked with her about it and thought she was cool and we had good conversations. She's and a superstar. She is. Yeah. yeah. And so so yeah, so when I heard her on the phone, it kind of gave me a little more trust because I didn't know if I could trust this lady with pretty nails and gorgeous <laughs> hair telling me I'll be safe and all that because yeah. you never know what something is just by the book's cover, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. so I was very skeptical. <laughs> so when I heard this girl, I was like, all right, you know, I'll consider it. And still I had this weird situation after I was pretty much accepted into the program mm-hmm. and I had called it off because my dad and I decided we'd make a list and, and like a list of what we could do to make life easier and safe words to if he was going crazy, I would say the safe word. It's sick. Those no, sound like good no. boundaries, though. Oh, you I would mean, say a safe you word. Would, I don't know. You and I'm going to stop my behavior. Oh, but yeah, but, but did when it you work? tell. No, it didn't work. No, the safe mm-hmm. word was really bad. It was psycho. That may agitate Poor me. choice. Poor choice. Yes. So <laughs> I remember like yelling at him, psycho, 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 come on. And he just went into a fit of, I am not psycho, mm-hmm. and throwing things and stuff like that. So you see the, the point there. But mm-hmm. that's when I was like, okay, Vicky, <laughs> I, I think I'm ready. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I mean, this needs to be said. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. Like, that should be acknowledged. I don't Thank think anyone yeah, should yeah. be going through that. No one should go through that. Like, yeah, I will personally be pissed if any kid is going through that right now because it was awful. I mean, I'm glad of the person I am today, mm-hmm. but but I would not, that good people can also be built in very good environments. And I would prefer that they are built that way. Definitely. And you yeah. said that eventually teachers knew and they were lenient as far as your schoolwork, but yeah. were there other things they were, like what did they know and what were they facilitating? One of my teachers comes to mind, she was my art teacher mm-hmm. and that was a huge outlet for me throughout high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, she saw me doodling one day and she told me to join. And I ended up getting into portfolio classes and going to different exhibitions. And I was good at it. And I often didn't get a lot of sleep at Haven Poe just because I have generalized anxiety disorder and PTSD and depression. And so these things make it really hard when you also, it builds up and becomes insomnia. Mm-hmm. And so- Haven um, Poe is the house that Starting Right Now has? Yes, yeah. Okay. yeah, sorry about that. Haven Poe, where I was staying with Starting Right Now. And um, I wouldn't get a lot of sleep there often, especially because I had to get up early and take the bus ride to school. Miss mm-hmm. Sakura would see that I was exhausted and sometimes she'd just be like, honey, go to the back room and sleep. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, oh gosh, thank you. Because <laughs> I, I, so at one kind. point, yeah, I was so kind. At one point I was so tired that I couldn't hear people properly. Like it was kind of like Bueller's Day Off, wah, 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 mm-hmm. wah, wah, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, 
fell on the floor. I was so exhausted, shaking and all that. And so ladies like her, teachers like her, were just very kind in that. So did you tell them what was going on? Then they would be lenient with your situation? I told her as it was happening. Mm -hmm. I'd come into school. She'd see a bruise. Mm -hmm. She'd see me wearing full-length sleeves on a 98-degree day, Mm -hmm. you know, and wonder why. Because no one does that in their right mind in Florida unless they're trying to hide something, Mm -hmm. whether it be tattoos or slits on your wrists or anything like that. And so she started noticing things, and we got very close. I even went to her house for Thanksgiving that year, Mm -hmm. which was really cool because she knew I didn't really have a family to go to yet. And starting right now is still very new to me. So Mm -hmm. it was kind of nerve-wracking. This was once you were in starting right now, right? Yeah. Did anyone know before you were entered in starting right now? I just her. She knew what was going on and she'd tell me to leave. Um, Another teacher that I had, it was just a few of them. Um, This other teacher, she was a math teacher and she was really cool. She was in a band and she had a piercing hiding, you know, whenever she was at work, it wasn't there. But I like I felt like I kind of connected with her Mm because I don't know. She was spunky. And she was even going to try to figure out a way to have me move in with her so that I could live there instead. And um, that was even a year before Miss Sakura knew about a lot. So it was just like two people that really knew what was going on. Did you wish other people like caught on and did something? In hindsight, yes. So much. So much. Intentional in not telling anyone? I mean, I know you said that you worried your dad would get these people out of your lives, but someone like a teacher, I would think, you know, a 17 would be like, they have some authority, like, he couldn't do anything to harm them, maybe. Uh, Um, my, my father has this power of terrifying people with words. Hmm. Like, he'd come into the office and they knew him. (laughs) It was awful. I don't know. I was also scared for other people to be involved in the situation. Mm. It wasn't their problem. Like, not my circus, not my monkeys, you know? Mm. Um, So that was something that ran through my mind a lot. I didn't want to burden anyone. Right. Also, you said that you didn't want your dad to get in trouble. Yeah. Which I could understand. In a sad way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, you're a child. It's your parent, Mm -hmm. first and foremost. Also... I don't know specifically about your dad, but like traditionally with abuse, as you described, um, they they purposely do things to win you over and have control. And oh yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I could understand it being confusing. Yeah, it is. It's insanely confusing because at one point you think you hate this person and you'd be okay with them dying, but then when they tell you to die in a fire, your world is over. You know, it's just it's really sad. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I wish I had told people mm-hmm. or I wish that somebody had noticed and been like, we've got to call somebody. So Be- there are things that they, that they could have identified? Yeah. I used to, I'd show up with school to school with bruises. I had slits on my wrists for a long time. Mm-hmm. At that point, I started doing that to get my dad to bring me to therapy, but that's when he insisted that he knows anything a therapist would say. And so I could sit at the dinner table and talk with him about it. And if I didn't want to, I could stay up and not have dinner. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, the whole therapy thing didn't work. Kept doing it. But, yeah, there were plenty of things. Excessively apologizing is not something a kid should do. 
mm. ever. I've come to realize that a kid should really only cool. be able to enjoy the world mm -hmm. and have the wonderment that they will lose when they have to start paying bills. You know, like <laughs> you, the point. You yeah. Should, yeah, you should yeah. only be able, you should only have to say thank you and please and all that, but not, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And so that's one of the things that people probably could have noticed that like fast movements and things that I automatically think are my fault and freaked me out. Have you ever thought about like what that question would have looked like? Like, how does a teacher come up to a kid like, hey, you have some marks on your wrist. Is everything okay? Or <laughs> like, what do they say? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that'd probably be weird. Um, that you build rapport before you get to that point. I would say so. I, I would hope say, so. That's probably, honestly, I couldn't even see right through it. My art teacher probably did that with me. Because mm -hmm. we were very close before she started asking things mm -hmm. got to the point where I adored her like mm -hmm. I looked at her like kind of a mother almost because mine was absent and so it was very easy for me to attach to a kind old older woman so I have a specific moment I remember with you that you might not even remember <laughs> um there was so you said now you don't smoke which is great I'm happy for you mm -hmm. when you were when you first started starting right now you smoked cigarettes and you would go you and a handful of people who smoked would go outside the office and have a break. And I remember one day I, I walked out. It was after class and everything. I was on my way to leave. So, and you happened to be sitting next to my car. Mm -hmm. So I walked over and I was just being friendly because we had known each other for a couple months at that point. And before I got in my car and left, I was being conversational. And you were sitting with other people and I don't know if you were having a particularly bad day or a particularly good day, I don't remember, but I, we were just talking about where you were at and you were like, yeah, I think I'm feeling like I'm ready to start therapy. Yeah. Um, and I was like, that's great. I'm a huge advocate of therapy. I, therapy has changed my life. Um, yeah. And you were sitting there smoking and I specifically said to you intentionally because I thought it was important to note that, and I think in general, like identifying shame is a power to... Um, work against shame. So I said mm -hmm. to you in that moment, I think therapy would be great. And um, specifically, I think you should talk about shame because shame is highly correlated with addiction and you smoke. Mm. And you looked at me yeah. like, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> yep, yep. I could, I, I vaguely remember that. <laughs> um, and then I said, that sounds great. Have a good day. And I got in my car and I left. Um, I mean, at that, at that point, I had known you long enough. This wasn't like I was just talking to a stranger. No. Um, yeah. And so a minute ago, you were talking about how you apologized for everything, which to me also speaks to shame. Because mm -hmm. yeah. the thing about shame is that you, when you do something that people don't like, instead of thinking, I made a problem, you think, I am the problem. Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It goes into the stuff I learned in therapy about codependence. When you have assumed responsibility for everybody else's problems or anything that could happen, a tree could fall in Alaska and my 15-year-old self would have been like, what did I do? Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's absolutely ridiculous. But yeah, everything, it, it's almost like a very depressing version of narcissism or something where you think that everything has fault. to be your yeah. fault, you know? And, and so, yeah, you automatically apologize for something that you had nothing to do with. Mm -hmm. And if someone else is being a crab ass, I mean, cranky, uh, <laughs> <laughs> cranky, uh, and you, you can't just assume that that's your fault. That's their problem. I've never thought of it that way. 
And so if you're used to if you're used to sitting there and blaming yourself for everything, you're just going to keep apologizing even when new people come into your life and all that. So yeah, it's a big sign. Pattern. Well, yeah. this is the thing about um, the whole thing about people who enact violence were once victim of victims of violence is that to me one of the most important things about starting right now is that it, it is an intervention against that cycle yeah. that repetitive cycle yeah it is um an, imp- an important part of um there's research on this and they say that the the people who were victims of violence that don't enact violence later in life they had what they call an enlightened witness Mm-hmm. that was able to listen to their story and hear it and really appreciate it and um, allow the person to have a release from it. Yeah. Um, which During I hope... Here we talked a lot about that. Like, as you're really? saying this, yes, because you read that article. And, you and I'm always on a new article. And you the whole staff to read. <laughs> no, that's good. That's and then Alice we had this Miller. conversation with them. Shout it's... out to Alice Miller, my goodness. <laughs> it's important to stay with the times, what's happening. Yeah. Um, do you feel like that's something you've gotten starting right now? Yeah, I definitely do, especially to the point where I I think, you know, it was great having the office every day after school. You go and you have this place where you can just focus on getting your work done. It Mm -hmm. sets up great study habits because in high school, I really didn't have to study, Mm -hmm. um, which kind of turned into a train wreck when I got to college (laughs) uh, because I was like, what? I have to study this? Okay. Uh, It's actually hard. And, And that's a blessing to be able to encounter that kind of thing but um, the consistency of starting right now and the ability to go home to the Mm -hmm. house managers I was very thankful for that because even though there's kind of this I don't know wolf pack against the house manager vibe at first where you you meet them and you're like who are you yeah there's a lot of rules and and all the kids feel like they're hardened with life. They don't need rules, but the rules are very good in hindsight. Uh-huh. <laughs> they are. I will admit You're it. on tape saying that. <laughs> I will admit they are good, and I'm glad I had them. But, yeah, so they were a fantastic example of what a house could feel like, what a home could feel like. Mm-hmm. And so I really did end up feeling like all those people in Haven Poe were family. Even though some of us had our issues with each other, or I was maybe say your journey wasn't so instant in that it just felt like family. You yeah. had to get through a lot of yeah. trials and tribulations with your peers. Oh yeah, oh, during yeah. the first year in the house, it can be tough. I mean, I have trouble just living with one roommate, you mm-hmm. know, in an apartment or whatever, because it can be tough. Some people like to clean, some people don't. Some people like to bring certain things into the house that you don't like in the house, you know? And so so you got to deal with that. But then imagine 24 of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a lot harder, mm-hmm. you know? But then I can remember some really good nights where we were all just out in the living room, some people playing ping pong, some playing the... I forget if it was a Xbox or a PlayStation, but they were playing video games and eating and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's good. It's good to have that. And that was nice because my brothers were gone and my dad he wouldn't play a game with me (laughs) and (laughs) so it was nice to gain that and in that people talk Mm -hmm. and you find yourselves with confidant Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah 24 of them 24 of them (laughs) plus some others hello right (laughs) 10 give or take (laughs) yeah when we were first starting the conversation you were talking about the first day and you got in dominique's car because she usually picks up the new students yeah um once you finally decided to really come to the program and she was playing cage the elephant yeah and you were like oh this might work out yeah (laughs) 
Do you have other <laughs> memories of like the first moments and starting right now? I actually remember that day uh, or the night before, actually, I was not the smartest in my hasty packing, even though I was often prepared. I did not have extra clothes or anything like that. And so I knew that Vicky had told me she was going to get me some stuff that mm-hmm. I could have for the next couple of days. And I remember just sitting on my bed and it was the bottom bunk and I just sat there and cried for a little bit. Mm. And I forget her name, but the older student that had gone to, I believe, FAMU, she came in and she hugged me. Mm-hmm. And like, she didn't hug me just yet. She like talked with me a little bit, asked me how I was feeling. She told me she understood how I was That's feeling so, so lonely and all mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah, it really was, it was. It was kind of just what I needed because otherwise I would have holted myself up in the room until dawn. You so know? this total stranger comes and knock on the door. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and and I guess she could tell that I was just like injured inside. I was just sad, and so she made me feel a bit better. And I believe it was she who had taken me out into the living room and introduced me to Miguel mm-hmm. and stuff and some of the other kids mm-hmm. that were there, and. Um, a lot of them ended up sitting at a table with me in the kitchen, the dining area. And I remember Juan coming in, the gentle giant, yep. coming in with his longboard. And I was like, oh, cool, longboard, because I, I longboard. And, um, and I was just starting to feel like I was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. It kind of felt like, weirdly, a vacation at first, because I was in this really nice like building had like fancy flooring and pretty decorations on the walls. That's a good way to describe it. Yeah, I was like, okay, this this will be okay. Uh (laughs) I saw the kitchen and I was like, this will be okay. (laughs) 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 But yeah, so the first the first day it was interesting, lonely, big, but yeah. Do you have any favorite moments in that year? Day one, day one, and I went up to the music room. And we jammed out, and we had the p- the keyboard, mm-hmm. and he had a bass, and we were just taking turns, like listening to songs and all that. That was one of the good ones. Um, another one was when we got these um, sketchbooks, and we were able to paint in them and all that. And it was upstairs, and it was yes, it was, you guys did have that art class. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I still have that sketchbook. It's got some of like the the sickest drawings I've ever ever drawn really cool um but also like you can see where I was at that time if mm-hmm. you look between my sketchbooks now it's like it's landscapes and stuff yeah mm-hmm. it was a visual journal <laughs> yeah and uh hmm I remember when I talked about liking gardening and Vicky actually had people come and put like lettuce and stuff in one of the <laughs> In one of the little garden beds. And so you can't imagine the faces on these kids when I'm making a sandwich and I like go out (laughs) and I grab some lettuce and I come back in and I rinse it off. And they're like, why are you putting plants on your sandwich? And I was like, it's it's from the garden, you doofs. Come on. (laughs) But uh, yeah, no, that was a good memory. Um, A lot of good ones and and good people from Mm -hmm. there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't talk with all of them, but, you know, I talk with some of them. It happens over time. Yeah, yeah, it does. But um, 
still, even if I saw anybody from the house that I haven't talked with in years, you still have that connection with them from understanding what it's like to live with 20-something other kids that went through some kind of crap. And it mm -hmm. might be way crazier sounding than yours sounds, or it might, you know, it, it might be completely different, but that trauma, it doesn't matter what it was. It's still traumatic to mm -hmm. all of them. And so you just, you bond on that. Mm -hmm. It makes like a family. Uh, you know what I love in particular about this moment? Um, I remember a time where telling the story would completely tear you apart. Yeah. Um, and it's almost as you're telling the story, like you're reading it from somebody else's story. Yeah. You know, like I can tell you've done a lot of healing along this five year journey that it's we've been on together. It's important to be introspective. I can also tell you're still emotional though. Yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah. Oh uh -huh. yeah. It's mm -hmm. never gonna, the wound will never fully heal. It's, it's better. It's like scabbed up. Talking about it so much has kind of made me realize that, um, that was the past. It's not now. So I don't mm -hmm. need to feel that way now. I remember you hating that in class. You were like, why do we always have to share our story? I'm so sick of this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to share my story. Do you know why we'd make you do that? Well, I can guess. You know, if you go through the movements of the story, it will desensitize you to the situation and the feelings of that story. It's, a, it's one of the, the therapies for PTSD that I had considered doing this um works with your eye movements and stuff like that but it goes through ARP. desensitization of of these situations so that you don't feel that way mm -hmm. anymore and so part of it is being able to talk about those stories and gain a sense of control over them instead of having the stories tell themselves mm -hmm. i don't want anyone to think that it's starting right now we don't want you to feel things i think hopefully what oh, we're yeah. doing desensitizes a poor choice of yeah maybe i would hope what we were doing is enabling you to tell your story in a way where you can feel things yeah where it is tolerable enough to really mm -hmm. experience you gotta wield it like armor as opposed to having it weigh you down like it was something bad that happened to you right. well and yeah. i think there's this acknowledgement that like you're okay that you're allowed to feel things correct you're allowed to feel things in not all of the story is your fault, as you said earlier. None of it yeah. is your Most fault. Of, You're a child. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, and this is really somebody else's story. Like, a lot of the things that have happened have been your parents' story that you, unfortunately, had to be a participant of. Yeah, yeah. So, like, what is of. Martha's story? Yeah, a victim of. Better mm -hmm. choice of words. <laughs> what is Martha's story? You know, yeah. and that's what we figure out on this journey. I've come to be able to actually look at everything that happened to me now, whereas I used to block certain things out. Where are you now in your journey with your dad? My dad, uh, we do not talk still. Mm -hmm. um, every time I had tried, it ended really badly for me to the point where I had a lovely woman from FSU who I would see every couple weeks to talk with her about what was going on. She was mm -hmm. part of the Unconquered Scholars program. And um, my therapist as well and my grandmother, they all just told me to stop trying mm -hmm. because I had basically gotten to this point where I felt really mature. I had looked at a lot of myself, what maybe when I had snapped too much at my father, you know, and also recognizing the fact that my whole childhood wasn't spoiled just because this stuff in his life resurfaced in, in his mind and we went off the end. But um, like there were some good things he did, like even today, showing up on time. That was a, that's a thing I've come to appreciate so much because mm -hmm. so many people my age 
do not care if they told you that they'll be here at this time. They might show up an hour later and be like, what's the big deal? But, but, um, but yeah, I learned a lot of good things from him, but that's not enough to try and hold on to the relationship. Because every time I have tried to speak with him, it has ended in him telling me to die in a fire, that I'm listening to the call, mm. that I'm a little Beth, which is my mother's name. And uh, I ended up writing him a letter sending him my diagnosis for my three disorders. Mm -hmm. And I told him that I gave him kind of a life update, that I had switched my major, that I went to therapy, that I'm going to therapy for these three things, and this is Martha version 2.0. Mm. And I told him, if you're ready to know that person, send me what your diagnosis is, and prove to me, tell me that you're not doing drugs. Prove to me that you're seeing a therapist. Do mm -hmm. something to show me that you've made an effort on yourself as some form of incentive to, to give me so that I know that it, it's not totally uncharted territory. Mm -hmm. And he slapped back with all this hate stuff. It was really awful. Uh, he, he has a way with sounding really good with words, but also kind of like a priest when the church wants to burn you, you know, like just really sad. So I just, I detached. I go to Al-Anon a lot and uh, that seems to help more than anything. Um, I know what Al-Anon is, but like what, if you had to describe Al-Anon to someone in two sentences, how would you describe it? It's a separate entity from Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm -hmm. It's for, they, they use the same 12 step program, mm -hmm. but it is for family members of a qualifier, which is either an alcoholic or a drug addict. Mm -hmm. And so I, even though I never uh, admitted to myself when I first started going to Al-Anon that my dad had been a drug addict, mm -hmm. I kind of just went because my grandma went and she suggested it to me that I try it. Ended up falling in love with it in a sense. And, um, and then now that probably helped a lot too because you go into this room, the stuff that I used to run away from at starting right now, getting in a room with a bunch of people and talking about our stories and mm -hmm. things like that. I have found solace in that these days. So I guess that you guys laid the framework for that because otherwise I probably would have told my grandma to F off when oh, she no. told me to go. <laughs> but no, we have a great time. We go on Fridays and Brevard and we give them our little dollar donation. It's great. How do you feel about the idea of, at least for now, not having a relationship with your dad? I'm fine with it. Mm. I have realized that so many... Uh, I went to a wedding, my cousin's wedding, uh, two months ago, and so many things are just easier without him. Mm. And I hate to say it like that, it sounds really harsh, but I experience such turmoil whenever he's around. It's like, have you seen Game of Thrones? Yes. No, but I've heard of it. <laughs> okay, okay, so there's this Ramsey Bolton guy who abuses this one boy. The worst and character. The worst character in the mm -hmm. universe, okay? And whenever Reek sees him again, he gets weak and scared and all that stuff because it all comes back to him, all the torture, all that. That's how I feel right, that makes when sense. I see my father. Mm -hmm. And you should watch it, then you'll really understand. <laughs> well, he's not Reek anymore. He's a strong character. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Spoiler alert. But, 
but but yeah, so it's easier to go to weddings without him there. Mm-hmm. It's and and he would make the wedding about himself anyway. I'm totally fine with the idea of him not ever meeting my boyfriend that I've had for almost three years now. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to meet because. I mean, my boyfriend's been an angel in it. Like, whenever somebody's tried to tell me to talk to my dad, and I think about it, and I start going crazy, you know, mm-hmm. he just hugs me and and helps me figure it out. If I have a nightmare at night, he kind of wakes me up and tells me and just holds me. And so, I don't know. Uh, sometimes you get sad about not talking with someone. But if the detachment is good for your soul, mm-hmm. and it's the truth for you that it's damaging to talk to this person that it's not going to help you move forward in life or they're mm-hmm. just going to try to hold you back or they're going to try to make you feel less worthy than you were then you can't talk to them this is a very simplified explanation but it really spoke to me we had someone come and speak to the children who had grown up as a homeless unaccompanied youth um, and in part of her talking she was describing how she had also had to distance herself from family family members yeah. and she realized that the people she, she should have in her life are the people she feels like she wants to contact when something good is going on in her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When she accomplishes something, when she wins, the people she immediately goes to text, those are the people she should hang on to. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And am I, I might be wrong in saying this, but I would imagine that once you have those people in your life, it's easier to detach from the alternative. Oh, yeah. Oh, Because it would so be is. hard... To just say, I'm not going to have parents if you have no one else to turn to. Yeah, when all you've got is crap, you mm-hmm. know, you're not going to just get rid of the crap and be alone. Like, that's no, sad. That's I'm, I'm alone enough in my head. Like, no one wants to just do that. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, when you have positive people, if you surround yourself with positive people, everything gets really easy. The grand things like detaching from the toxicity, you know, getting rid of that. And, and not having it in your life anymore, or even the simpler things like hanging out. You know, they want to hang out with you just as much as you want to hang out with them. Yep. And That's so, the most beautiful thing you can yeah. ask for. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so positive people, they're one of the most important things. If Maybe that's another sign that people could watch out for. If you see someone that's hanging out with people that you wouldn't think them to hang out with, you know? That's a really good point that they're neglecting good relationships. I was a really good student and I tried to be really involved in high school. And then I started hanging out with people that I could smoke cigarettes with, mm-hmm. with people that we'd walk off the bus ramp and go smoke and then come back or or things like that. We'd even, I can't believe I'm saying this now, but we would break <laughs> a rule and go smoke a cigarette where we weren't supposed to. <laughs> 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 I I don't break rules anymore though. <laughs> but yeah, so um perhaps well, I mean you don't need to anymore. Yeah, no. Rules. No, definitely not. There's no point in it. It's not where I've come to realize that like what I want to do in life is way too important to risk having fun with a bunch of drugs or doing anything illegal. You know, none of it, none of it's worth it. <laughs> we should talk about where you're at. I just graduated with a bachelor's in editing, writing, and media from Florida State University in May. And um, I'm not Congratulations. That's Thank amazing. You. Thank you. Yeah, it was a lot of 
tears. <laughs> wow. It seemed a lesson over the years. Oh, yeah, they have lessons for sure. Yeah. Wait, you're uh, saying tears in that moment or tears leading up to it? Oh, leading up to it and in the moment. Okay. Halfway because you sometimes don't believe that you'd ever end up there mm. in that place. But there then, being where? Yeah. Well, no. it graduating. Okay. You know, graduating from college, like it wasn't even, I knew I had to go to college, but I didn't know that that was a possibility. HCC financially was on my my radar mm -hmm. because I was just going to do that and transfer. But then I got the full ride, which was awesome. And uh, now it's amazing. And I'm not sure if I want to go to grad school. It would be great to, mm -hmm. but I'm trying to see if I can get, if I can pass the foreign services officer test first. And that way I could just go into that and go into working and travel the world and do that. Sounds amazing. And in particular, the thing that I love hearing you talk about as someone who has known you for four or five years, five years. when you were in high school, <laughs> mm -hmm. is that you're sitting here talking about all of the choices you have. Yeah. And you are empowered enough to really consider what you really want. Yeah. And for me, that is amazing. I know. I know. Um, a lot of people will just go into the plug and chug of a nine to five and that's fine. You know, if if that was my only option, I would happily do it for the paychecks and for the resume experience. But um, I have this really great situation where I am allowed to choose between many things. I'm just trying to see, put the feelers out and see what um, opportunities come first. Were you always like this? Did you think in your wildest dreams that five years after entering the program, you were going to have all these choices? I didn't think I would have the choices, but I always had the drive because I wanted mm -hmm. to do something big. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, when I joined, when I started college, I thought I was going to be a pharmacologist or some genetic modification mm -hmm. scientist. Um, I wanted to save the world with science because mm -hmm. I just, I loved to learn how things work. And then... I went through this whole crisis where that was not organic chemistry kicked my ass, and the so best of us. <laughs> <laughs> it just kicked my butt. And so then I found out I can learn how words work and people work. And so the editing, writing, and media was really, really great. And then I thought I would change the world through the environment and mm -hmm. work on environmental policies and things like that by going to law school. But then. Now it's the foreign services and I want to work on international environmental affairs, like upholding things like the Paris Climate Agreement and stuff like that. And so there's always been that drive to do something big and help something, someone, but uh, never were the choices always there. So now it's nice that they are. <laughs> I'm seriously in awe of the woman you're yeah, right my now. God. Like, I, I, if, they can see me right now. My mouth would be getting all well, I, mean, I, I don't know about you, but I haven't seen her in a couple years. Yeah. Um, probably a couple Christmases years. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That sounds about right. And you're just such an adult. And via text. Uh, yeah. Phone. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm bad at that sometimes. I'm so sorry. You just graduated from college, which yeah. is amazing. You also studied abroad. Yeah, I studied abroad in Florence, Italy, for from August to December of last year in 2018, and it changed my my life. It, sure. it really did. Everyone says that. So he's abroad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially because I had never been out of the country. That wasn't an option. Getting passports and things like that mm -hmm. while I was growing up that was not a possibility. I visited Paris and Croatia and so many amazing places. The The Vatican, I'm not a religious person, but it made me cry. It just felt the history and everything associated with it was amazing. You said in your intentions that you wanted 
other youth to know that their ridiculous dreams were not so ridiculous. So exactly. what is this ridiculous dream that you're going on that's not so ridiculous <laughs> um, in just a couple weeks? On the 25th, I will fly to Florence and I will prepare an apartment for the FSU International Program campus for anywhere from 15 to 30 students to live in. Wow. And half the job is to oversee this apartment. You know, I have to, I have to be a resource for them, uh, kind of like a liaison where mm -hmm. I can tell them where the best grocery store is or what bars to go to, what alleyways to avoid. Um, Tell them not to bring liquor into the apartments because they're not allowed. Wine and beer, fine. No liquor. <laughs> so you're like their house parent. Uh -huh. wow. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yep. That'll be fun. Full circle. Yeah. Right. Cool. <laughs> Student becomes master. No. It's yeah. It's really cool. Do you know why I like this whole plan? Why? Um, specifically that you're traveling or you have traveled and you're going to live somewhere new and be with different people. Mm -hmm. Because to me, like a real education which sometimes happens in the classroom, but is also beyond the classroom. Yeah. A real education is about new experiences, seeing and hearing and meeting new people and yeah. new things so that you have a better understanding what the world has to offer so that you have a better understanding of what you have to offer the world. Martha, maybe to end us um, on a little note, I've asked almost every student this, but if you said that you wanted to make younger people feel safe about asking for help. So what advice would you give them when asking for help? <sighs> or other unaccompanied youth? Yeah, that's a hard question. Um, I would say I, I liked what we touched upon with my art teacher, how she had kind of, she just was there. She showed up to class, of course, because she had to, but she was always there and, and she would quietly listen mm -hmm. just for any indication that I might talk with her more about something. And so just having that, just having, she paid attention to me. Like it could have just been because she was being nice. And that's what it felt like. It felt very genuine, not like she was trying to get anything out of me. But because she wanted to spend extra time showing me a method with the paints and, mm -hmm. and spending the extra time to ask what I was doing for Thanksgiving, like, or just why do you look tired? Or um, let's talk after class because she sees a bruise, mm -hmm. you know? But what advice would you give to that student? So that's what the teacher did. Be open to people. Mm. It's really hard to be open to people. You set up these walls because you're afraid of the world after what you think it is. Mm -hmm. Because your situation has defined what the world is supposed to be. Love and family, it's just this torn mess. And, mm -hmm. and so the world has to be that way too. And so it's so important to be open to anyone who is trying to help. Like, it's easy to think that this person is secretly evil and they, their niceness can't possibly last, but it's easier in the long run to trust it and go with it because, you know, you got to listen to that gut. I wish I had been way more open to anybody trying to help. Well, thank you, Martha. Yeah, thank you for being so this awesome. This has been an incredible journey with you. Thank you. Look forward you. to many more days coming. And good luck to all your travels and newest adventures. Oh, God. Thank you. <laughs> Why do you say, oh, God? <laughs> now I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> if you are a high school student in Tampa Bay and do not have a stable home or you know someone in this situation, please contact your social worker about starting right now. This podcast is brought to you by Humana Foundation, Hillsborough Education Foundation, and WEDU. 
If you are listening and want to donate a service or funding, please contact info at startingrightnow.org. Thank you.